Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You're in the game. Do you remember that? EA Sports. It's in the game. Well, it used to be challenge everything. No, that no, it didn't used to be. Oh, is it now challenge everything? Yeah, it used to be EA Sports. It's in the game. <laughs> Thank the God game. uh uh movie studios don't you know like MGM Lion like <laughs> right? <laughs> like but then they they're messing out on iconic things like Sega. That's true, that's true. Classics. Which I think you know? I think the Sega voice took up like an eighth of that cartridge or something. Like it was a huge <laughs> memory drain. Absolutely, especially in the Sonic one where Sonic has a little animation. Yep. Bit during it as well. They wanted a lot for that. We're that trying logo. so hard to make a video game podcast on our we musical really theater are. podcast. We manifest a lot of things, but this has yet to be manifested. Uh, if you work for Polygon, you know our number. Will somebody get us another drink? Welcome. To Jim and Tomic's musical theater happy hour. I'm Jimmy. <laughs> and I'm Tommy. <laughs> and this is the only musical theater podcast with salty bourbon and Ethel Merman. <laughs> that peaked. Sorry. <laughs> we have not peaked. Here, we take apart your favorite shows. Should I be doing this in the voice as well? Muddle them together <laughs> with a shot of buffoonery and pour you a refreshing glass of musical theater conversation. Delicious. Tommy, what are you drinking today? Uh, it's a vintage, whatever the year of that champagne was. Uh, uh-huh. And it'd be a shame for it to go to waste, but it might have lost its bubbles. Those are they talk about champagne twice, and those are the things I remember. <laughs> right, good. Here, but I'll tell okay. you why in the form of a quiz question. I think you absolutely should. It was a complete accident that this musical and film, with the exact same name and premise, premiered the same year. What show, Jimmy? Titanic. On desert sands, from mountains of stone, a pyramid From flying buttresses alone, a wall of light A chapel ceiling screaming, one man's ecstasy One man's ecstasy 
China's endless war, Stonehenge, the Parthenon, the Twelve the aqueducts of Rome. We did not attempt to make with mammoth blocks of stone a giant pyramid. No, not a pyramid. For Gothic walls that radiate with light. Our task was to dream upon and then create a floating city. Floating city. What if it was Titanic the musical but sung by Muppet Chickens? Coming soon to a cinema near you. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I love the Muppet Chickens. They're G- great. Ti- why haven't the Muppets done Titanic? <laughs> I mean, I think there's many answers to that question. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wonder if they, I thought they've ever done like a parody of it. I'm even sure on the they Muppet have. Show. I'm sure everyone's parodied Titanic, time. right? Everyone's yeah. like, you know, you know paint me like one of your french girls kermy that was my mrs yeah. pig that was the best miss piggy i could do in the moment uh, paint me like one of your french girls kermy <laughs> mine's better <laughs> oh okay um sure <laughs> so my aspiration in life the rest of the podcast is canceled do more titanic things in muppet voices right. my aspiration in life is to um do a whole skit uh-huh between Kermit and Miss Piggy, voiced solely by me. That's my aspiration in life. It, hey, and then I break into singing uh, Love Light Us Here <laughs> in their voices. From, from Muppets Treasure Island? Yes, I am well okay. aware. Phew. Oh my god, we can do that on this show. Anyway, Titanic. <laughs> Titanic the Musical. Music and lyrics by Maury Estin. Book by Peter Stone and premiered April 23rd, 1997 and played for three, two years until 1999. Yes, and shockingly enough, is based on the sailing and sinking of the Titanic. Spoiler um, alert: the boat spoiler alert. is gonna sink. Yes, um, it had a very successful US tour, um, a very successful UK tour just the other year um, that I saw. Hooray! Um, and it was nominated and won uh, five Tony Awards, including the coveted Best Musical. Yes, um, also won Best Score Book. Scenic design, orchestrations for Mr. Jonathan Tunick again. I'm just thinking about this now, but are there... I would love to see a list of musicals that have only won production Tonys. Um, That's an interesting category. Um, Yeah. And I'm unsurprised that this musical has fallen into that category. Not that the actors are bad, but it's just that kind of show. Uh, Yeah, definitely. That's... Yeah, you're not... We'll get into it. Yeah. Um, Okay, I mean... What is the story of the Titanic? Right. Well, the boat sinks. Um, Right. But like if you, so if you haven't experienced, so per our quiz question, this musical came out the same year as the James Cameron film entirely by accident. Um, But if you've seen the James Cameron film, aside from the kind of Jack and Rose plot, which was invented for the film, Mm -hmm. it, it tracks, it, it, it it tallies a lot of the same points. Don't you think? Well, I mean, yeah, because it's Cause... one of the most documented things that's ever been in existence um, <laughs> is the sailing and sinking of the Titanic. Um, and this focuses on uh, a multitude of passengers rather than the film 
which I would say focus primarily just on these two fictional ones. Um, yes. The musical is more focused on pe- basically people who are real. Yeah. They change some of the names here and there, which I'm sure is a, you know, copyright IP thing. Right. Um, um, and they, but they do they take... They're based on people. Exactly. And they do, they do invent some plots for certain characters, but pretty much mm. everyone in the show... To an extent, like existed, existed, not just like yeah. is based on reality, which is a fascinating yeah. thing. It is, it is, and guess what? We'll talk about that. Um, so I think, I mean, th- there really isn't much t- to say in terms of synopsis beyond that. I mean, right? well, it's it. I I find this show surprisingly difficult to follow. Okay. Because, because you can, the the and this is way down in our bullet points, but like mm-hmm. humans for the past you know more than a century have been trying to make sense of like the Titanic disaster and like put some meaning behind it, and so mm-hmm. then how you structure your story based on the true facts of reality, you know, it is this question of like do we idolize the story of Titanic because of what it is? Or is it ripe feeding ground for creating things that fit into the archetypes of Western storytelling? And so then we cherry pick those moments. And so, you know, first meeting everybody at once and then starting and learning about the engine room and then like, you know, oh, there might be icebergs. Oh, you might be a captain. Like, what do you choose to foreshadow? Who do you make the the perhaps villain like what conflict do you build and what is essentially a documentary um uh-huh. which makes it difficult for me to follow and i and it's my fair fault enough. but um that's where i am with the synopsis to be honest i think that's yeah i think that's fair i think it's essentially like to, before we get too deep into any sort of analysis and stuff like i think it's interesting to compare it to the film sure. of the same year yeah um because they kind of approach the story from opposing places sure mostly um like obviously the film features more people than jack and rose but the story right is absolutely around centered them. around their romance and the disaster is happening around them right well you know? i mean uh uh titanic uh f- famously is a movie that starts as like a romance and turns into a disaster movie um yeah. which i think happens less so with the musical to be fair um yeah, i would say so there's no well apart from um two characters there's no like new love found no you know what i mean there's but, no but even like post you know post iceberg hit in the movie it's like thriller 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 till the end pretty much whereas right. in in the musical iceberg hits maybe at the end of act one beginning of act two but we still uh, take a couple moments for some jaunty sidelines yeah absolutely yeah true very good point um okay well here we've beat around the bush too much time to dive in to the titanic the icy waters that was appropriate do you uh, know what accent that was uh no do you was, i think it was irish <laughs> i think it was roi irish which isn't relevant because it's from northern ireland anyway That's i fair. apologize ireland um great <laughs> Sends the men below the ground to mine the coal each day. From Leicestershire and Nottingham, us lads who works down in the pit knew if you got above the ground, you'd save your soul somewhere. 
This is why I just say hop on my segue. It's just easy. Because <laughs> you, you don't offend the people of Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happens when you don't write a segue. Famously. Um, okay. So, first of all, I don't think enough people talk about this show. No, it's huge. It's like, it's a great show. It's the, Yeah. So, like, for starters, there's that. Secondly, it, well, it did win Best Musical. It did win Best Musical, and it right? feels a little lost to time, which is weird to say about a musical from 1997. Right, exactly. Like, it, I understand when people don't remember Raisin. Sure. Okay, sure. But, the, you know, we were all alive. Do you, do you <laughs> think, I would wager, simply because of the cultural phenomenon that was the movie... Mm-hmm. That perhaps the musical just got either lumped together or overshadowed or both, depending upon yeah. the context. Um, and I'm I am certain, you know, how many people went and saw this thing thinking it was the movie, right? Exactly. Just by accident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny. I saw. I think it was on maybe a YouTube clip or something. Um, and so I was like, ah, uh, what a fantastic show! We were there on opening night. My cousin played Rose. <laughs> and then Bess was like, there's literally nobody called Rose. No, my cousin played Rose. <laughs> and then there was like, the other people were like, no, there's, there's, there's literally nobody. There's, no, the there's no character named Rose. Called Rose. Yeah. She didn't reply. No further comments from, from the commenter. So, um, but yeah, it's, I think that that could be a part of it because like pick your adaptation kind of thing. Right. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> but I just find it, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's also quite significant in our, musical theater chronology yeah i will say it doesn't it it see it seems to see enough of a like a school revival uh scene because it's yeah it's got yeah. it's got a big cast it's it's popular big, big it's popular in boys schools because almost everyone's a guy <laughs> same way like yeah, you, exactly. just, you rotate between 1776 and titanic and that's your season uh-huh. forever um and there's not a lot of kissing, so you can just sk- right. skip over those parts. Exactly. <laughs> there, it's, there's a surprisingly little amount of objectionable material in it. Um, uh-huh. But, you know, it does also... I will say, I enjoy it for reasons that maybe I'll be able to articulate by the end of this podcast. I also mm-hmm. understand why it seems to have been pushed to the back shelf of musical theater history. Right, okay. There's... I. I tell me more what you mean. You said it stands as a, like... Uh, an important point in musical theater history i think so i think it's one of the last like big musicals okay that we've seen in terms of orchestra and full orchestration in terms of um bringing that together with an extremely large cast sure bring that together with an extremely advanced set all of these things coming together to make that big impressive spectacle yeah musical right that is comes with that wall of sound yeah um because nowadays it's small cast if you're on stage please also play an instrument um 
and you know it's orchestrated for six uh right most of the things are on piano anyway um like it's it is a lot smaller the sets sure are big yeah they've kept them yeah but the casts are small the casts are small i could see an argument that titanic is like a more boring version of cats in that stick with me i know you made a face i made a very weird face there ladies and gentlemen (laughs) stick with me the plot of titanic is generally pretty inconsequential because of how known it is the characters are interesting but difficult to be fully invested in and so you're watching it for the spectacle and the kind of flashiness of it. Like, I agree that it lives in that kind of big musical world, but it is less bizarre than Cats is. And so, like, some of the reviews didn't were not very kind to this show, mm-hmm. and it was interesting reading them about them. And they do talk a, a lot about, like, it's just kind of... You know, it's why the James Cameron movie is so different, because you're so invested in Rose and Jack... And I don't know. I don't. I feel less invested in the characters they've created in this show. I think. Hmm. Interesting. I think I can see that happening, and I can see that being an opinion. Um, I don't have the same opinion. Any time I've seen it, and a lot of time I listen to it, yeah. In the end, I'm in floods of tears. I will say it. It did get me in the end. Like I and I and I, I think I. You know, it is why I hedge this. Like I can see an argument mm. around this, which is why I wanted to pose it. But you know, like the buildup of like seeing these joyful people and all their problems and all these things, and then they all die. Like yeah. the emotional impact of that is absolutely there, and it is very well structured to give you that. Yeah. Um, so I I do think that is there, but it is. You know, it it is very unique and bizarre to to see that. I think it's the the reason, and I struggle with the Titanic movie for the same reason. Mm-hmm. Um, to see pieces of fiction that are the conclusion is is written in stone before the show starts in everyone's mind. It's the same thing right. with like seeing any kind of like biblical Jesusy kind of thing. Like yeah. you know what's going to happen and part of the show is playing on that, right? Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. I'm I'm trying to unpack I've got like a nugget well, of a thought there that I can't quite on articulate. That, on that point, um they they've spoken about that before and that was one of the reasons why Peter Stone was brought on board mm-hmm. because with 1776 mm-hmm. he still managed to create tension right. surrounding the signing of the Declaration of Independence we know has a foregone conclusion yeah right exactly and Morrison was like I want that same I think I want you I want I want you to be going along and hoping that it doesn't happen right you know what I mean yeah uh, and it, you you do kind you do kind of yeah. Because of the way it's structured, um, I think it you go along and you're in the fantasy, and then kind of you you forget that you're on the Titanic, right? Do you know what I mean? And uh, when you go back and listen to it again and focus more on the songs, you hear all of these like really tragic things because yes, one of the major themes of the show is hope right. and uh, aspiration and. Um, you hear all of these aspirations right. and then you're like, oh, that's devastating because a lot of these people didn't survive. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the, the cats thing is, 
I can't agree with that. That's fair, and probably a poor example, but but I think I think just just in the point of like the sh- the show itself, because it does have characters who are human, right, and they are very much human. Like even if they're not the most fleshed out, yeah, uh, they're still human and they're still relatable. Yes, um, I think that's why by the end you're heartbroken because of what's happened right. on top of just the immense tragedy of the whole thing anyway yeah you now know some of these people and you know how they've been affected um and i think that's where it's different from cats yeah. a sentence i didn't <laughs> expect to say in the podcast <laughs> that's fair and a poorly articulated thought i guess like because it sits in that kind of like faux euro musical hole in my brain like let's say let's say so british (laughs) well let's let's say let's pull maybe a closer example les mis Uh um right like hugely complex ensemble show you know Mm -hmm. the biggest difference is les mis takes place over the course of decades maybe and titanic titanic takes place save for a couple you know montage moments basically over the course of a day it feels like right the majority of the show is just the night of the sinking Yeah, they really fast. Actually, don't I don't really know the timeline of it. Actually. They because we we see them board and then they board and then they're on the ship and then they're on the ship and like we fast forward through a couple dinners. Um, mm. and and but then all of Act Two is pretty much unity. Of all time, of Act Two is right? just the thinking. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, certainly a much shorter time period than Lame is. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, yeah. So how much you know? How much character development are you going right. to get? I guess maybe maybe this is the thought I'm thinking. <laughs> um. I want all the characters to be with each other more. I think that's the thing I want from the show. More crossover kind of Because that's, that's what Les Mis does so elegantly, mm. right? Everyone is in this story for a reason. Mm-hmm. And all mm-hmm. play a part in it. Whereas this is very like uh, 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 uh uh, tea and saucer drama, like where you've you know mm-hmm. pulled back the fourth wall and you're just watching what happened that night, mm-hmm. untouched by artistic hands. Um, yeah, and I think my well, my art brain wants that. I think the issue there is that one is reality and one was a story. Right, exactly. Right? Because um, obviously in Lima, it's very easy for Victor Hugo to make all these wonderful interweaving right. lives. But that wouldn't have happened in the Titanic when class was so distinct. Right. You know what I mean? Kate McGowan would never at any point yeah. ever speak to any of the Strausses. Right. And, they, I mean? like and that, they've that, still that tried happen. to pull moments where they can, you know, right. break that class exactly. Yeah, it's like Alice's character is a really good one for that because she's able to yeah. play in between all the things. And then having the staff as well being able to, you know, have their moments. Yeah. Um, but I think actually they use that as a really good device yes. in the show um, on a kind of like artistic level um, because as the show, pro- like at the start of the show is very clear cut. You have the third class song, mm-hmm. you've got Alice and Edgar and you've got Charles and um, uh, Caroline uh, in your second class. And then you've got Remarkable Age and that's just the first class. And then yep. you've got some staff moments. Yep. Um, everything is very, it's very segmented. Cut. Yeah. Then we move into Act Two, and as the turmoil happens, well, that's when we start to see the dissolution of these classes. Right. Do you know what I mean? Um, which is then really beautifully quoted by Mr. Andrews in Mr. Andrews' vision. Yes. I'm like, 
I'm into that. Yeah. No, if that... you're writing a book. Do you know what I mean? That's fun. Yeah, that is fun. You 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 raise good points, sir. Thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, because that's the thing. I actually think I really love the kind of that artistry mm-hmm. that's gone into the creation of it. Yeah. Um both from the book and from the music, because the music, I think there's some really smart musical things that are these like little nuggets. Right. That a lot of people just listening to it won't really pick up on yeah but if you go into some deep analysis you actually realize oh wow there's some there's some deep thought attached to this yes um so just for example the the actual way that the score is written um annoyingly i can't remember the exact time signature (laughs) but the first act is written in a time signature and then the second act is written i think in one two Okay. If that's the times that I don't know music theory, That would be so a wild time you. signature. But it's like like da 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 like think if you think of um dr- uh, dressing your pajamas. Yeah. Yeah. Dum 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 and the other one I think is just more flowing. Sure. Right? So the first act you're sailing, you're sailing on mm-hmm. and you're flowing. Yeah. La 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 la. Yeah. And then the second act is much more percussive staccato and so you're getting just that feel, like it's the thing that you don't recognize mm-hmm. but you feel it in the music that actually this feels right it's, different it's amping up the I tension why. yeah yeah um so like things like that um the uh use of like the morse code mm-hmm. and the way he weaves as that. a very musical device it is very it's so elegant yeah it's smart. It's yeah, smart. I mean, like it's, it's, smart. it's good, smart writing. It's someone who really cares about their score. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They're not just writing songs. They're really trying to storytell right. with their music. And that's that's my kind of jam. Right. Well, and it is, you know, we, uh, uh, it's also such a great way. What is the name of the first Morse Code song? Um, did... um, the Night Was Alive. The Night Was Alive. Um, like, we want to meet... Mr. Morris Code, whose name is... Bride, yes, Harold Bride. Um, like, we need a reason to meet Bride before, uh, you know, he becomes a pivotal moment in the story trying to, like, get these messages out. Right. And so then to craft the moment where uh, he meets, you know, Barrett brings this message up and we learn about Morris Code, like, that's that's clever musical theater exposition. Absolutely. Um, and again, on that point extra extra points um so in that song the night was alive um when they reprise that reprise reprise (laughs) when they reprise 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 that Mm. at the end it's one of those classic excellent use of reprise because the lyrics don't change but they have a completely different meaning yes you know what i mean the light the night was alive there's no crying to be heard it's harrowing yep. when you hear it in the second act and the first act is lovely and yeah. inspirational and and so well hidden like you don't see it yeah. coming which is hard, tough to do in a show where <coughs> yes it's titanic it sings we know you know what's happening but when you're listening to that it's like what a lovely song this guy's really lovely sweet and innocent because it's dressed up in this beautiful love ballad yep. you know what i mean yep. it's really smart yeah no There's that's some smart stuff yeah um and that's one of the reasons why I, I think it's a just a really good score. And I was trying to think of contemporary scores other than like Hamilton, which we know has had so much work poured into it. Sure. 
um, where you kind of see that level of, I mean, music, book and lyric working together to really paint some, it, it, some deep pictures. It does. I will get in trouble for this. Titanic yeah. the musical does feel like what operas could be if opera folk got their I'm heads out of their ass. That. Um, like if, if we had kind of gotten over the like, you know, deep traditional roots and artistry of opera that I think holds it back, we would have more operas like Titanic. I do think this is closer to an opera than a musical anyway. Um, well, to me, I think it's just a musical that's really good. <laughs> I think there's lots of... Because I, there's nothing that Maury Essen and Peter Stone are doing here that other musicals couldn't do. And in fact, you see it. Yeah. You, I think you see it quite a lot but I in do... the 70s. And Stephen Schwartz does quite a lot as well of just little subtle musical things. Yeah. Um, but we, I just feel like maybe I kind of lost that in some contemporary stuff. Maybe not. Maybe there's loads and I've just not... I mean, analyze scores enough to I do, see it. But. I do think I do think the art form took a turn more for because like this show is impactful and is not realism in any of the senses. Like right, the, you know, from from production design to structure to there's so much just you know audience address as well that's just in the thing. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I do think you know post the '90s musical theater did take this turn closer to. I don't even want to say realism because it's a different thing, but like yeah. less representationalism, which the show is filled with, um, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. uh, uh, I think out of necessity, uh, the, it was interesting. I was watching uh, a contemporaneous documentary and I think it was the set designer who said something like um, it would be impossible for us to uh, very accurately recreate these uh, the dining room of the Titanic and all these other places on stage, not because we couldn't, not because we don't know how, but just because it would be so busy that you wouldn't be able to follow what's happening on stage. You'd be right. so impressed looking at the set. And so we had to like simplify and tone down, but it does feel like, and I know we bring this up maybe uh, 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 every two episodes or so, but like, Titanic the musical is act three of Mr. Burns, a post-electric play. Like (laughs) we, we are recreating this completely historic thing that actually happened. But now in this grand operatic style that I do, that I do think is very opera and has Mm. gone out of the, the musical theater canon in the past 20 years. Absolutely. It's a big thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you don't be, being someone who is more of a legit singer than a contemporary pop singer, suddenly I'm finding I can't sing anything nowadays. Mm-hmm. I can sure sing the Titanic. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, there's, it, there's just more there for baritones. That's when, <laughs> that's when there's, a, there's a sign. Um, but yeah, like, other than... I don't like, other than, like, Hunchback. Yeah. Which is doing which has a choir in right, it, you but know which I mean? is like, but like Hunchback is picking its musical style because it is of, it is appropriate to the content, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Titanic could have they could have done anything with <laughs> this, right? Absolutely, yeah. And it's one of those things as well. We know from when it from when it is being written. It's not like that. The Zeitgeist was big, full, right. You know full-bodied no, choral singing what sandwiched um, by rent like, and the lion king on best exactly. musical well that's the thing yeah and um you know 
bubbling under the surface is J- Jason Robert Brown. Like mm-hmm. Songs for a New World was only just released like three years ago, three four years ago. Yeah. Um, it, things are things are times they are changing. Right. Um, and I I would just I don't know I I I wonder if we would ever get another Titanic in terms of orchestra cast. Yeah. Vote like that big scale thing because it's just too expensive oh and i don't think contemporary audiences would react well to it um because it, it really i i don't because i think contemporary audiences are looking for clever that they can understand uh-huh. and this show is clever but it's clever in uh you know the delicate use of reprise it's mm-hmm. clever mm-hmm. in leitmotif it's clever in like deep artsy ways and right, okay. the on-the-surface lyrics and plot, like, there she is, towering hot, like, it's the ship, there it is, yeah. right? Which I think audiences would react poorly to, you know? Right. In, like, running out, like, how did they build Titanic? Like, it's not, it doesn't have that hidden, you know, what, two, three years later? When was uh, Hairspray? Um, maybe, so six years. 2003? Yeah, so six years later, we yeah. get Hairspray. And like, good morning, Baltimore, while on the surface sounding belty and declarative, isn't like, you know, it's not called my name's Tracy, right? It's not, it's not like, this is the town where I live. There's still some hiding in there of like, there's the flasher who lives next door. The flasher's not important to the story other than to set the scene for you, where like, half of the show is like and there's that person here are the things you have to know about that person i think i think only in the opening mm, fair because the opening is just the exposition i think like because if you think of something like autumn right yeah which is a um diegetic song that is almost non-diegetic because it's right because of how heavily implied of autumn shall we all meet in the autumn yeah. and you know what i mean shall we all be but like um even like no moon which is a really um uh what do you call it conversational song yeah um still has these little moments of uh, subtext and that's you fair know, and then something like remarkable age which is just f- funny yeah yeah but i do you know it does it does mm, yeah because i i know what, i know what you mean about it it being kind of yeah the opening being broad in terms of but i think that is just purely for the sake of exposition but i do think very I many think I a lot of the music in the show doesn't follow that musical theater truism of like you talk until you can't talk anymore and then you sing and you sing until you can't sing anymore and then you dance like we we you don't think they do that i don't think they do that as much but that's just because it's mostly sung through yeah maybe i'm just reacting to that you know, because like, well, I mean, Lame is doesn't like, right? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just think, I just think, I, I just think it won't happen because it's too expensive. Yeah, that's like, also fair. That's it. Yeah, I like, could. Yeah, we, yeah. I think art has has moved on and is because we've now seen with something like Hamilton, mm-hmm. where you've got this deeply intelligent. Right, Easter eggs for years. Yeah, uh, and, writing, but it's just in a hip hop score. Right, and it doesn't need a big tilting set 
to sell it. It certainly no. has high high concept technical moments and expensive stuff, right. but it doesn't need them. You could cut the turntable from Hamilton and it would be great. Exactly, exactly. Well, here. Hop on, boy. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to segue. Because I want to talk about productions yes. of this show. Um, so we'd be loath not to talk about the original production. Uh, famously, there were so many rumors about the set for this show because they dug a big hole under the Lundfontaine. Um, because the whole set tilts. It's a big thing at the very end. The whole, the whole, right. the whole thing tilts. The choreographer in the documentary I was watching quoted it as saying, to the legal limit, one foot per <laughs> inch. Um, which I'm sure is true. I'm sure that's like the, you know, the, uh, actors union, like you can't have a rake that's taller than this. And they're like, all right, we'll go exactly that, that tall. Yeah. Um, but it's, what's the name of that song? Um, uh, Mr. Andrews vision, Mr. Andrews vision, um, where he is, uh, Mr. Andrews, if you don't remember, is the guy who designed the Titanic and like has the blueprints out and is like, Oh, here's how we would fix this. Here was the problem with the ship. And then goes into this envisioning of like, but here's what's happening now. And, you Mm -hmm. know, basically narrates all the people dying for you while above him on the original set, the whole thing starts tipping and all these cast members start sliding across the stage. It's a gorge. If you can find photos of it, it is, it is, I'm sure it was a brilliant sight to see in the moment. And it's shocking. Deeply emotionally impactful with a set design choice. Right. And that's, that's, and it's so crucial because I don't even think audience members going in would be expecting it. Yeah. Other than the ones like, obviously like, you know rumors but it wasn't like the we're going to see it to watch the set i don't think that was the case no. because we weren't in that world yet right and it's 1997 where... and like right we're we're doing like cirque du soleil levels of environment manipulation um yeah, exactly but 10 years earlier right right right, right. um because yeah it's so it's so dramatic to watch and it's really powerful because it is almost as real as it could be yeah yeah you know what i mean and that is when you're dealing with musical theater we're not used to that right right (laughs) do you know what i mean we're not used to that kind of shocking and i think that's why as it leads towards the end it is so emotional because it's it's hard it's harrowing like it's a really difficult thing to watch it is it is you know you if we're like chekhov's gunning this thing right you have to see Mm. the people die and you have to see them die in a really tragic painful way and yeah it it fulfills that experience right absolutely um and i i think to, to be fair what i would have liked less of mm-hmm. in the original yeah. is less freezes like um what you call them Tab- like, tableaus sight, sight. no yeah. what are you talking about no, uh 
the painted backdrops. Oh yeah, backdrops that were awful. Yes, yes, they're really bad. <laughs> um, they're they're really they're quite poor, and I think even for nineteen ninety seven, nineteen ninety eight, like they're quite poor. Yeah, they would made. You a, agree? Would you give me that? I I would. They made a. It is clear. Like I I think what you're reacting to is they made a stylistic choice in what those backgrounds were going to look like that has yeah. either hasn't aged well or was inappropriate then. Um, right. Which is also interesting for how, um, I don't know, stark some of the other kind of real set design of the thing is like, it's all very white. It's mm. all very um, uh, uh, clean and open. It does give you a sense of like the open sea and some of the darkness of it and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. then to go full in and be like, and here's a painted 3d representation of the location we're at. There's very few things you could do in that moment that would like meld with the rest of it. Um, Mm. I think the other part is like not a lot of stuff that happens in the show is terribly location dependent anyway. And so they made some weird choices there. Right. Like, you know, like we get it. You're on the lower deck, you're on the upper deck, you're in the dining room, you're in the, you know, the, where the telegraph is, you're at the stern. That's it. That's all we need. So you don't, and like, you can do that. You you got a steering wheel, you got a table, like, and the people who are supposed to be there are there. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think so. I think actually a lot of it comes down to the director of the original production, because um, I've read that he was a really big fan of um, lines, like really big fan of horizontal hmm, lines. Interesting. Um, even coming down to his cast, and I think that's why. Because I find the opening strange. Like I find the like strangely directed. Sure. Um, basically, if you, if you've never seen it, uh, it's. You can tell there's a whole set piece behind the the cloth, right? And we're you know setting up for the second number here. Um, but everyone, almost the full cast, mm-hmm. are out in the what first to front two meters of the stage, yeah. and they're all huddled together. Um, whilst you've got this huge, paint like reasonably poorly painted backdrop of the hull of the ship, yeah. Um, and uh. Yeah, so I've heard that he just liked having people in straight lines. Yeah, and like you do you people. do see that a lot throughout his choreography throughout the whole thing. Yeah, um, and I don't. So I wonder if it just feeds into into that. Like that's just that was just his vision for it because other productions mm-hmm. don't follow any of those rules, right. and I think are actually a bit well. Painful. I think that's the question, and it is interesting that you said I. You know, you wonder if this will get a revival. I mm. do think there is a pocket for a pared down revival of this. Um, Absolutely, because I've seen it, Tommy. Well, yeah, no, exactly. Well, tell me you about know? the show, you, the version you saw. So yeah, well, that's it. like it, the um, in London, um, they had a production at the Southwark. Okay. Uh, which have we talked about the Southwark before? Maybe, but you know me, my brain's like a sieve. Yeah. So it's it's one of our like good off West End theaters. Okay. Um, and quite well known for bringing in new music, new musicals, new writing, um, but it's all reasonably small scale. It's 240 seats. Oh, wow. Um, That's super tiny. So small. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, the stage is really adaptable, mm-hmm. which is great. So that's where um, Heights first was when it was here, okay. um, and it was in Thrust. Oh, okay. And it, it worked really, really well. Yeah. Um, so with Titanic... Um, they set about scaling it down mm-hmm. 
because apparently Maury Essen said just because they wanted to see if it could. Hmm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They were like, let's let's give it a go. Sure. So they were able to reorchestrate it to a six-piece orchestra. Wow. Um, and he was happy with that. Yeah, from, I think it's something like 30-odd. Yeah, like dozens. Piece orchestra. Yeah. yeah. All the way down to six, which is insane. Um, they had a 20-person cast compared to 42. Wow. Um, within that, obviously, there was loads of doubling sure. between classes um i think the only people that weren't doubled were ismay andrews and the captain yep. um and uh it just it it worked and then they adapted that for a tour okay a uk tour sweat patch lovely um and <laughs> it's not visual this bit didn't need to say that <laughs> um it's uh they adapted for the the uk tour uh-huh. um and it is pared down they have um a sort of a deck uh-huh. an upper sort of deck that they use um a lower deck piece that they use um and then they just truck in just different bits yeah the classic with it no and then i think they even had a fucking star cloth at the back but it worked sure um it may have been a psych i can't remember i'm sure it was a star cloth at some point uh but it really really worked this pared down um thing how do they do they do anything dramatic with the sinking the sinking yeah so it was actually really cool um so they do a number of things so with uh the kind of key moment um in dressing your pajamas Mm -hmm. uh where they have like it scored in for the ship is sinking um basically in the music if you if you've only just listened to the cast record you won't know what this mode is but there is a bit um just before it just goes Mr. Guggenheim, please yourself. Built after a little silence. And in that moment, the um it's really, really good. Uh the tea cart, which has been pushed on by two maids to stage right, um, just really slowly drifts across the stage and they just let it happen in silence until it hits the other side. Mm-hmm. Um and it just shows you that what once was horizontal right. is now not. Um and it's a really, really good smart device. So when that happened in mine, um, the the tilt wasn't lateral. It was longitudinal. I don't know if that's the right way around, but I'm using that. This sounds impressive. Um, it happened fronty-backy, ah, upstage, upstage downstage. downstage. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, and tilted up the weight, and then and somebody caught the... Oh, that's fun. ...the thing, which is, is good, because there's an extra drama there as well. Yeah. Um and then for mr andrew's vision Mm -hmm. when the full sinking happens it was really dramatic because so it was just him on stage at that point um and as it tilted up properly properly tilted up he must have been attached to something um because i don't understand how they would do it health and safety wise but he was grabbing on to the kind of hull of the ship as it was almost horizontal oh wow as almost vertical um falling off and then it went to blackout i don't think you saw him because they would obviously they gotta figure out a way to undo anything. it yeah um so i think it just went to blackout but it was really dramatic the way it happened and obviously with the soaring of the music and everything it was really yeah really good um and so it it's one of those like like this does get done a lot amateurly right and to find a creative way to do that because that's that's a, a tough technical moment to execute anyway the um absolutely i watched bits of the i I think it was the Australian OG 
tour. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do. It was quite popular, I think. Yeah. They do, uh, uh, instead of, because they can't tour with the hydraulic lift under the, the deck and everything. So instead they yeah, have yeah. like a, a stage left to stage right catwalk um, that also has the capability to tilt which probably right. just lives in in the flies, like they probably just rig it separately. Yeah, just and then uh-huh. and then just tilt it, and then you got it. Um, although they did the Australian production, the tea cart moment was a little less impactful because they're all oh, okay. just on the flat stage, and they push the tea cart all the way stage right, and then the music stops, and then the tea cart just slowly moves to stage left. But there's nothing to like really tell you that like it's because the boat is tipping. It just kind of looks like the tea cart is just moving on its own because everything's flat. Ah, the thing that did so it. So there's no other. Nothing else visual. is askew. Nothing but else is I telling quite, you that. But I quite like that. I think it's very nice. Save for the person in the audience who started laughing. Uh, and if there's the possibility of that, yeah, I think you got to do a little more. A little more. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, the. the it, to be fair to the laughing person, mm-hmm. um, it's a comedy number. It is a comedy number, yeah. Right? And that moment is supposed to be like, oh, right, shit. Um, and it was certainly a but, like, <laughs> like, you know. Oh, yeah, like, oh. Because it, it, it's one, if I was the director and, you know, it was met with a laugh. Right. As long as it wasn't like a side-splitting right. applause laugh, right. I probably wouldn't be too upset you still get because a I know what's coming. Exactly. But... Yeah. I know what you mean. I think, yeah, you would want something more. <laughs> right. Something more. more but I don't know, you know, the set designer in me is like, okay, how would we do this on mm. our stage? Or do you go full Peter and the Starcatcher and, you know, like our town the shit out of it and like everyone just runs stage left or whatever. Or like you start, you know, go do it in slow motion and all the furniture starts mm-hmm. moving because people have picked it up. Like, I think there are right. other ways around these moments absolutely that well done can be equally impactful without the spectacle of it all there was um there was an amateur production that i've seen um where they had a big clock piece Mm -hmm. um upstage and at that moment the clock piece broke fascinating that has nothing to do with (laughs) tilting (laughs) just a a broken clock (laughs) it didn't it didn't work Oh, I don't think the director listens to this podcast. If she does, I do apologize. But it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think that's the thing. Is it's a fun challenge. Yeah, it's a fun set design challenge. I do think uh, this musical has been on my brain of what would be a good uh, Zoomsicle. Um, I think this show would adapt very well to digital theater. Because there, really? there's a lot of there's a lot of solo shit, um, or like two people scenes, right? Um, it's it it is uh, epic to the point where you can uh, uh, you know disbelieve some of the squariness of it, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I think there there's also a like uh, meanwhile back at the ranch kind of feel to the whole thing which yeah. I think is well suited to video medium, like what's happening in the boiler uh-huh. room, what's happening in the, in, you know, on the upper decks, what's happening in, you know, in the uh, 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 telegraph room um, that I think is well suited to that. Um, yeah. You know, it's a story people know and has some clickbaity stuff. Um, like, yeah, actually. And doesn't, as it. much as we've like dove into some of the 
the cool craziness of the technical stuff. I don't think it. Right. I don't think it needs a lot of it, if any Not of it. Not at all. Right. Not at all. And the the emotion is in the music. Yeah. In the story, like, um, yeah, because so I've done this in concert. Mm-hmm. Uh, zero set, minimal, no staging. Right. Literally no staging. Yeah. Um, and it was still extremely emotional. Right. So yeah, I agree with you. I think that would totally work. Do it. Do it. We'll we'll, we'll consult for a modest fee. Round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Listen. <laughs> Why do people care about the Titanic? Why do people care about the Titanic? It's fascinating. And people care. Oh my. I've seen this in Tinder bios. <laughs> As like an interest. Yeah, sure. I'm not kidding. I mean, people are obsessed about the movie. Um, like, deeply so. But people are obsessed with the thing. Yeah. Like, the events. Yeah. There's a, one of the densest wikis i've seen oh and so many splinter articles there's a whole wikipedia article about the damn staircase yeah oh i mean the staircase is a huge significant it's gorgeous um and uh, very important my boyfriend won't my boyfriend won't let me live it down that i didn't feature that staircase on top five musical theater staircases and i'm now coming to the realization that also i failed to include probably the only musical theater song called the staircase the staircase but that's for another discussion um yeah exactly you can do a redux <laughs> people love <Part> two. <laughs> talking about the titanic and not even because i was yeah. curious about like is this just a modern thing like is this just mm-hmm. people of the james cameron film but since day one there have been yeah. plays and books and you know folk songs and like people are really interested in this and i do Absolutely. i was also interested like uh the, the the wikipedia article is very weaselly it's it calls it um the biggest what does it say it's like the 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 biggest peacetime casualty event at sea in the west of its time like it's clearly right. like okay. talking around and indeed um cuz i looked it up there was the there's a boat called the Texing that sank in the south china sea in 1822 more people died about 1400 people died um right 
There was a, uh, I'm going to say this wrong, but the SS Kichimaru, um, which also was somewhere in Asia, uh, sunk Uh just months later in September of the same year. And we don't know how many people died because there aren't records of it. They're pretty sure more than a thousand, but like, so why the Titanic? And certainly there is this like, you know, call it schadenfreude or, uh, you know, human hubris come to fruition, like... I say parabolic like a parable, not like the graph, um, yeah. but like parabolic tale of like uh, the, you know, Icarus flew too close to the sun and built the biggest moving mm-hmm. thing. And like, I think that is a fascinating uh, yeah. human interest in the thing. And that's definitely what the musical, that's one of the key parts of the musical. Right. And, it, you know, it's, it's looking at mankind's, you know, constant need to be better. And, you know, people call the Titanic a cry to God. Right. Um, with how big it was and how you know almost ridiculous yeah. it was in its ambition yeah um and like it, it it's but people are still fascinated with it fascinated. yeah and continue to dramatize it i mean there was um uh uh some scholar i have his name here um stephen bile beal um he talks a lot about how uh, there's this, like, Titanic exists in culture as an attempt to create the meaning behind the thing that happened. Because, like, this was just an accident. Mm. It just ran into an iceberg. It just ran into an iceberg, right? Right. Natural disasters happen all the time, sometimes caused by human folly, sometimes not, and yeah. they just happen. Um, yeah. But as a, you know as a culture we're trying to like create meaning around this sort of thing um because we're storytellers like that's you exactly know, that's what we are that's all we have and he says the disaster has been called an event that uh in its tragic clockwork like certainty stopped time and became a haunting metaphor not just one metaphor but many uh collecting metaphors each vying to define the disaster's broader societal and political significance to insist that here was the true meaning the real lesson I, and i find that so fascinating yeah like that we're like but that's it's trying to make sense of it exactly but that's what we do do you know what i mean because we are pattern solvers right. we are we are storytellers and that's we need we can't just let something happen especially something that is significant um you know uh actually i think the musical does a really good point of flag posting that idea yes. and that concept in the song the blame mm-hmm. um which is really, really good. So if you've never listened to it before, it's um, Ismay, who is the um, owner, he's the managing director of the Titanic. He sailed for free on the Titanic. Um, Mr. Andrews, who is the architect, the designer, um, and Captain Smith, mm-hmm. who is shockingly the captain. What? Um, I know, twist. Uh, <laughs> and um, they come together at the bridge uh, to basically work out what the hell's going on mm-hmm. um and try and p- pin the blame on somebody right um and in true musical theater fashion we know that if there's ever a blame song there's nobody to blame <laughs> but yourselves you know? right. <laughs> that's that's the kind right. of thing um so the you know they, they talk about like ismay wanted it to go faster um 
the captain sailed, you know, he charted a course that went too far north, so there's obviously going to be ice risks. Mm-hmm. Everyone's saying, Mr. Andrews, you didn't build it correctly. You should have had more there, you know right. what I mean? Um, and they all say, but you did it because you wanted more space for staterooms for the first class, so we couldn't have this. And all, you know, I mean, just classically, but basically what they realize is that it doesn't actually matter right. because the ship's sinking it's either happened way, yeah. and the ship is sinking and we know we need to work out what to do um but what i think is really interesting about that that leads on from your point mm-hmm. is in true storytelling fashion we always look for a villain mm-hmm. yes right and the villain of the titanic frequently in most of its adaptations is ismay mm-hmm. right who because it's extremely well documented actually there's no evidence that he tried to make it go faster there's zero evidence of that whatsoever right um he yes he was the managing director but he was still a significant part in getting people onto the lifeboats he was as much of a hero as any of the other people who died yeah. um and yet for some reason he is villainized mm-hmm. in all these adaptations and i found out that actually um he had some altercations before the Titanic sailed with someone from the American press, hmm. like a big, big name. Like, I can't remember exactly who it was, but someone who owned a lot of the newspapers. Ah. Um, and they were hell bent on dragging his name through the mud when he came back. Yeah. Um, and uh, like, cause even to the point where, so obviously he survived right. um, and that, being a, a man, that's significant because it was women and children yeah. first. Um, and so a lot of, you know, people like, oh, he forced somebody out of the boat so he could get on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that literally isn't the case. He was at a lifeboat. It was one of the um, collapsible boats. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was plenty of room on it. He was around and waited to see if anybody else could go on. There was nobody else to go on. So in his view, it was like, well, either I, I die to spite myself right. or I just try and survive and shockingly he tried to survive and he survived um there's no you know what i mean but he gets painted as this villain yeah um testament to the fact that when he came back to liverpool mm-hmm. afterwards he was met with applause and everyone was like hooray in the states he was villainized yeah. it's and i'm like that's isn't that fascinating that now because obviously hollywood is an american place right. this is the man that gets kind of chosen as the villain yeah um and I think it's a, a tragic shame, right. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because it's like, uh, for, from our need to storytell, from our need to have these people who fit into these characters, the heroes and the villains, yeah. um, we need someone and he's the man that's been chosen. And I think that's a shame. Well, because... It is, like, it's such a it's such a weird, like, societal, societal effort in, like, trauma recovery that mm. we're trying to compartmentalize and create this story around something that w- is far too complex to do so um yeah. you know so many things must have happened that night none of them you know particularly ordained or particularly dramatically interesting um right but in order for us to kind of cope with what is essentially a you know huge human disaster and tragedy we do have to create these heroes and villains and we tell these stories as a way to like cope with the thing exactly exactly it is i mean i i really do actually recommend going on to the wiki um there's a whole rabbit hole i felt show notes, did but... you did you fall down um uh, conspiracy theories about the titanic 
Do you know what? I haven't. I've actually, so this is just a Jimmy thing, uh-huh. but I've stopped myself from looking at any sort of conspiracy theories. That's fair. Because I'm worried that I'll become a, because I used to be really, really That's into fair. them. This one's fun because it's older. more than a hundred years ago. Um, uh-huh. My favorite one I read. Is it okay if I tell you one that I read? Yeah. Okay. Go for so, it. But if you change my life. The, the White Star Line owned the Titanic, right? Uh-huh. They also owned, uh, was it the Olympia? The Olympia? Yes. The Olympia? The Olymp- Olympic. The Olympic? The Olympic? Um, I think it's just the Olympic, yeah. Which is the same boat, basically. Um, they, were, yeah. they were sister ships. Um, several months before the Titanic was set to set sail, the Olympic was involved in some like harbor-based accident um, where it was damaged very badly. Yeah. And it was the Olympic's fault, or it was the White Star Line's fault, and so the insurance company didn't pay out. Yeah. Thus ends real life now begins conspiracy theory the white star line in an effort to recoup their losses switched the ships poorly repaired the olympic called it the titanic sent it to sail and then committed insurance fraud by sinking it right i have heard this one actually i have heard this one um obviously that didn't obviously that didn't happen but it is (laughs) it is part of the greater like people are trying to make Uh, sense of this incident Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and that's the thing is like, because obviously it was a horrible tragedy and nobody really knew what was happening. Yeah. You know, people, people slept through the crashing because so many people didn't know that they crashed. Right. Um, because it was so, it wasn't like, you know, the, that picture of the iceberg that you see all the time, like this massive thing. It wasn't that. Yeah. Um, but uh, the, yeah, obviously because I've got so many accounts from survivors or people who mm-hmm. um heard people who died but maybe were on the boat or from the dead right. blah, blah, blah. all of these different things there's so much misinformation that, that you just we we don't know the facts we absolutely don't right. um and so therefore we have to try and oh we'll piece this together to yeah. make this beautiful closed storyline that is the titanic yeah and adapt it four million times right um, when it is i i was like talking through this last night with my boyfriend and like trying to think you know is there anything else quite like the titanic right that has the cultural significance and adapts out well and yeah perhaps we should talk about some of them i think that sounds to me like a segue Water lapping at our feet Down sinks the bow Up flies the stern To the sky The panicked people in retreat A thousand strong They'll climb up toward the deck. They'll cling there desperately Like bees to a hive There Hold fast, doomed to the last, lost and abandoned, and all still alive. A few of them will hang there from the railings, as one by one they'll drop away. More than 250 feet they will fall, and after that I cannot say. I will not say The rest in swarms will over 
run the boat's deck. The one we landed on, which I hadn't thought about and he brought up, um, Godzilla movies are a direct reaction to the nuclear bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Yes, yes, true. And are an artistic, societal way, like the OG, uh, you know, all the kaiju films, Mothra and all that stuff, of a society processing fear of nuclear radiation, fear of, you know, giant... Mass destruction. Uh, uh, like, mass destruction, yeah. nuclear aberrations, destroying society. And and thus we have what we now know today is the entire like Godzilla franchise and stuff. And it was a different way of like, you know, combating or uh, 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 reckoning with right. that same tragedy, that same like hugely culturally significant tragedy of the bombings of Japan. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I would never, and, I would never have really thought of that but yeah that's exactly what it is really, but it's the, it? like, it's the same thing it's it's coping with a tragedy i mean yeah i should i should qualify it's not the same thing humans didn't put the iceberg there humans right. did bomb japan right, right, and right, that's right. bad exactly but yeah um but the reaction is similar uh-huh and how you process you know because it's still a disaster is a disaster is a disaster at the end of the day yeah. so you know um and it, we still need to process these things uh right and a lot of the way that we do that is using art. Remember art? Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, the, but I think um, it's, yeah, I think looking at it from a musical theatre perspective, because I had this thought of like, what significant historic landmarks, milestones, um, mm-hmm. tragedies yeah. have we musicalized? And I was like, that's actually not as many as i thought there would have been yeah n- not a lot we don't i mean i don't know if this comes as a huge surprise but we don't really use musical theater as a way of coping with tragedy as much mm-hmm. now what i would argue is i don't know why we could i mean you know you you've written here or i've written here one of us like come from away certainly right. is coping with i think come from away 11. is a fantastic example and a really good comparison to titanic um yeah because it's a very similar not story in terms of plot, right. but in terms of storytelling. First, yes. You're looking at many different people who you're taking a cross section, all these yep. different people who are affected by this horrible, horrible thing. Um, yeah. And you're, you know, some of the, I think, are some of the people in Come From Away real, like based I, on real people as well? I believe almost all of them right. are real. Like there's there's all sorts of clips of them, like, you know, Jen Kalala meeting what's With her face. Her person. And like, yeah, okay, okay, yeah. great. Well, I mean, there you go. Like that is, it's a very similar, very similar thing there. Um, and it also deeply emotional, you know what I mean? Right. Like, it's, but also so cathartic yeah. too. Like that's the thing. Yeah, because the thing is, especially with something like 9-11, if you said, okay, we're going to make a musical about 9-11, mm-hmm. you, you know what I mean? Like, right. It what? seems like like if you say there there is, hmm, what's the way to put this? We seem to have like an unspoken but agreed upon set of lines and rules and boundaries about when and how and where it's okay to adapt tragic events yeah 
Um, and like 9-11 is probably on the other side of that line for a very long time. For a long time. Forever. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think that's it. It's, it's tricky because it, obviously the way that Come From Away is told it is not in bad taste. I would right. never argue that. Um, it, I think it's a really good way of telling that story um, right. and the effects of that story from removing right. it from New York. Whereas right. telling the story of the Titanic out with the Titanic yeah. is much more difficult, I would say. I don't when think it, there's it, as I'd, much there. It kind of needed to happen almost 100 years later. Yeah. Um, and it was interesting. There have been plenty of stage adaptations of the story. So Wikipedia tells me it's impossible to follow. None, none seem terribly successful, yeah. I guess, or terribly documented at least, which would lead me to believe, um, you know, that like performance wise, that didn't really mm-hmm. uh, uh, follow through. Although I did read of, and I didn't understand this, but there was a record you could play at home and reenact the Titanic. And I didn't follow that through. Maybe I should have. Um yeah, that's as far as I got. I don't know. You find wow. Wikipedia. Yeah. Um but I do think, you know, like if the if art is a way of coping with tragedy, of processing it, of dealing with it, of allowing you to like put a a, a mental pin in it, right? Mm-hmm. Like this musical does that. And it's interesting to think about it like I don't know about you, I don't feel terribly affected as a person by the actual events of the Titanic. No. Right? They haven't like created a huge tragedy in my life. My un- my understanding and knowing of them is mostly based on these artistic interpretations. Absolutely. Of that. Absolutely. Um so it doesn't, you know, feel like there is a wound to heal there as much. And yet, I do feel like Titanic the musical has helped me like cope with a tragedy. Yeah. Well, I find like the more I deep dive into that Wikipedia, the more I find myself getting like, oh my God, like it's so yeah. heartbreaking. The whole thing is just deeply, deeply heartbreaking. Um, yeah. And yeah, there's no denying as you journey through that musical, by the end, it is pure catharsis. You have that like sweat dripping off you like, holy smokes, right at the end. Because yeah. you, it, it's so tense and it's there's so much going on. Right. Um, well, and it does do like the musical allows you to do the thing where all the cast can come out and bow at the end right. the little shop of horrors affordance um which also like the movie uh, the james the james cameron movie has to go out of its way to create as well it has to wrap the entire Absolutely. story in another story so you don't feel like shit when it's done exactly exactly um so yeah i don't know i just think i thought we could chat for a little bit about where we think things could be adapted because the one that hit me first i was like yeah space mm, We've sure never really musicalized space <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah right and i, I don't do you mean think? in a sci-fi context i mean in a uh, like like the space race like right one of the most significant parts yeah. of like our contemporary history right that's fair well are you looking to musicalize a tragedy or just like a piece of history like a historic uh, like a landmark historic moment you know what i mean like yeah like if we landing on the moon or something right exactly space you know what i mean like that i yeah. think that's a, a really i don't know i just think there's like i'm surprised that that hasn't happened yeah i do wonder so here's here this was the other half of my boyfriend and i's discussion of like 
coping with um uh i don't know um uh this specific kind of human tragedy uh-huh. which feels like the the um it, it feels like mechanical human tragedy the the failure of human hubris in its engineering feats okay let's say um and also in that world is um let's say the apollo 13 disaster right um or even, you know, they're a fictionalized version, but even in, like, Gravity, right, which is perhaps a larger fictionalized coping with some of the fears of space. Space, uh-huh. um, Yeah. Have you seen Gravity? Yeah, I love it. Excellent. Um, like, and one of the things those do have in common is they happen, and with the Titanic, they're tragedy that happens slow enough that you can make a story while the tragedy's happening. Um, right. Which is a little bit of a cold thing to say, but it is true. Yeah. And it's why, um, as he brought up, we don't have a movie about the Challenger disaster, mm. um, which was done in the blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to build something like that, you have to find the drama around the event yeah. as opposed to the drama in the event. That's a good point, um, actually. That is good. Because, yeah, because if you think of something like the Challenger, like even if you told the stories of the people... of who died right the ending is still the fact that they died exactly and so then there's no and like i say this all as a you know writer adapting these things mm-hmm. fully mm-hmm. acknowledging that like there are tricky issues to talk about that there are tough issues to talk about with adapting a tragedy of any right thing, right absolutely um but it's why you know it's why the Chernobyl series was so successful because it yeah. happened over some time, yeah. and so you got to like the the point of any of these kinds of stories would be to put you there while the disaster is happening. Mm-hmm. That's the that's Twister. That's the disaster movie mantra, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Um, and so then, you know, you you <laughs> you have to find a very particular actual human natural disaster. Mm that and i'm sure that's why titanic has such an appeal because it did happen over a very appropriate amount of time yeah. for the attention span of a human being yeah um like it has kind of fallen into this weird sweet spot and i think as well it was about real people that happened to real people you know, i mean right. i think it, it would and this is again it's a horrible thing to say but i think there's truth to it if it was yeah. just a crude ship yeah that sank like a, it wouldn't it wouldn't hit the the no. the mentality and it is i mean some of the other stuff i read like it's been interesting there were, one of the things i read pegged the titanic disaster as being a huge turning point in the end of the 19th century yeah. moving from the 1800s into the 1900s and a lot of that has to do with the vast and important development of ship travel and trading Mm -hmm. and like you know it it is a i I wish my u.s his or my america my uh uh, world history was more framed around this but like clearly ship travel and oceanic travel has been hugely important in how our society exists today Mm -hmm. you know start with uh the terrible practice of bringing bringing in slaves from africa into america like all of you know, all of American colonialism was based upon trade and, you know, how many wars have been started over uh, 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 ship passing and, you know, who has the right to this part of the ocean. Um, And so there was this huge push to make travel by ship 
better and more efficient and more important and, and easier and more, um, you know, and that's the plot of the Titanic is, mm-hmm. is, is you're seeing these uh, immigrants searching for a better world in America or enjoying this luxury. Yeah. Um, and suddenly this huge, important development in human history he hits the most solid of tragic walls yeah. of like, you know, don't fly too close to the sun. You'll run into an iceberg instead. Um, I had a point to all this that I lost somewhere in the middle there. That it was like it had a, a more significant telling at the turn of the century. That its its time has been contextualized along all of these lines. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that I think is is why we tell the story. Um, I think there's I think there is almost some truth, and this might be me storytelling the Titanic, but sure. Um, I would say that like the titanic is such an emblem of the class mm-hmm. structure that exists yeah particularly in, and i'm speaking mostly from the uk here but sure. within the uk you know we had our very very solid working lower classes we had the aspiring middle class and we had the upper yeah. class um and they were so beautifully illustrated on that ship um mm-hmm. and the fact that all but one of the first class women survived Mm-hmm. And the fact that hardly any of the third class passengers survived right. shows you that there is an issue with class yes. in the UK, um, which has now, well, it, it's up, but it, certainly to the from the Victorian structure that it was, sure, it is now certainly. significantly better. And I wonder if mm-hmm. there is a, you know, I mean, I wonder if that did wake people up to right actually this isn't the way to do things there is an inequality there's a deep inequality here well and it was it was a you know and certainly i'm now like we are storytelling the titanic we're putting meaning onto something that it just just happened yeah right Uh but it does elucidate those um elucidate elucidate neither of those might be words i think elucidate Um, yeah elucidate um uh the problems with this class structure and perhaps like artificially burst that bubble and that was that in a way that was beneficial to society because certainly you know i can speak to american classism today and it is wildly unequal and like we have Mm -hmm. you know terrible disparities um and you know jeff bezos hasn't gotten on a ship that sank right right? maybe when he does get in a a, his space rocket to the moon and it explodes we'll have a moment of like oh money can't buy you everything right right? like are we headed towards another uh uh uh, illustration of man's hubris but like the logical side of me says like no no but we weren't either, we weren't with the titanic either because it was just a boat that sank it was just a boat that sank exactly like yeah i mean it's it's interesting the the current times that we're in um when the pandemic started it was called the great leveler because it yeah. affected everyone it didn't affect but now as time has gone on we've seen oh actually it affects different people differently depending on your class and your race you know right and uh it isn't the the great leveler that we once thought if you are rich and white right you're gonna be a lot better off i will say rewinding a bit Mm. i do think you mentioned that like the titanic was a a moment of showing the difficulties with the class structure in the uk i think we react to it because we still see it as a parable for the class structures today. Mm. And like, it doesn't read as like 
um, you know, ho, ho, this is how it used to be. And then they got there, and I'm oversimplifying, but like, then the rich got their comeuppance and had to jump in the lifeboats too, with, you know, poor and rich aside, right, or whatever. It doesn't read that way. It reads as like, yep, and then still to this day, we have, you know, same song, different verse. Absolutely. Inequities. And I think that part of that also is is one of the th- threads that weaves through that makes it such a a, a, a parabolic story that yeah. you can see today in what happened then um just you know reset on whatever is going on now hey some story <laughs> something you know and i will say hold on i know we're not on video but i have a prop because i want to know what you think about this deeply I think I know what you're about to bring out. Here it comes. I think we've also spoken about it before. If this is the right thing, listeners, Tommy's away to get it just now. Um, This is the... I'm just saying, if this is the right thing, this is the Uh best adaptation of the Titanic that exists. I'm holding in my hand Titanic the board game, which I purchased (laughs) from Target for $20. Yeah. It's mostly based on the movie... Um, well, it's entirely based on the movie because you get points for quoting the movie. There's a game piece in this called The Door, and if you have The Door, you don't need to escape to a lifeboat and you survive. Now, is this okay? <laughs> I mean, I think the answer is no, right? Like, But in, in like the 21st century nowadays, I'm like, well, who's like, no one would really bat an eyelid at this. No one would question it right, because we've it's... gone so far beyond right it's such a weird like i've played it it's a fun game and every time i've played it like the people around the table we've had this discussion about like is this okay like people people died a lot of people died and we're replacing them with tiny little wood meeples <laughs> and like oh t- i'm gonna win because yeah. i'm gonna save more people I've and i'm playing as jack yeah right and like where that's that's that you know the unwritten, uh, undiscussed, like where the line of adaptation is drawn. We're okay with the movie, but somehow the board game seems a step too far. Well, yeah, because like the board game is the is the, is it's it's pulling the memes. It's pulling the joke. You know, I mean, it's pulling the right. commentary on the adaptation, which right. isn't the adaptation. There's no art in that. You know right. what I mean? Um, and it is. It's in the same way that you see all these memes about like, there's plenty of space in that door. La ha ha ha. Look at this. And right. Who else can we fit? You know, let's put Bernie Sanders on the door. You know what I mean? Right. In like, his little chair. Yeah. And then you're like, yeah, but let's go back 90 years and we'll realize, oh, wait. Right. This like is a thing that happened. It would be like if, you know, there was a, 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 a deep drama made about September 11th that, in the next decade was developed into a board game right or if you get fucking chernobyl memes like right i hope right. they don't exist good god I'm, um, I'm sure they do although that that series is so uh gritty that perhaps it won't but like you know i wouldn't uh uh i uh what was i watching it was search party uh, and mm-hmm. they made a, a very funny joke about the hindenburg explosion right i can't tell you anything about the hindenburg yeah, can i but I'm sure it was tragic. Yeah. But I but I laughed at the joke. Yeah. Like, you know, it is interesting to figure out where to draw this line between when can you laugh at a tragedy? Yep, exactly. Um who knows. But what I can say 
is that Titanic the musical is great. <laughs> it is delightful. Um, and well worth listening because I think there'll be a lot of people who won't have yeah. listened to it. It's a great listen. It's 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 very lush. It's divine. Sing it if yeah. you're a singer. Oh, sing it. Yeah, Brian Darcy James, Michael Severus, young versions of them. Victoria Clark, good cast yeah. mate. I was thrown for a loop in this documentary. Michael Severus has facial hair and hair on his head. I know. Gone are the days of September, August, September. What is he called? August, <laughs> September. I think he's called September. I don't know what you're talking about. An aforementioned fringe. Oh, it's been so long. That's true. I think that was the last call, so that will mean nothing to the people in the podcast. <laughs> I will say, and I'll find a video. Mm-hmm. When can you laugh at history? Well, on Musical Mondays at Sidetrack in Chicago, mm. my favorite series of callbacks were to the Tony Award performance of Titanic. Um the great lyrics because i can't listen to the song without hearing them we're gonna drown we're gonna drown we're gonna drown we're gonna drown aboard that ship glug 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 (laughs) musical mondays oh it's so funny at the very end everyone waves their uh uh napkins in the air and goes bon voyage watch out for icebergs and then they throw them up in the air and that's where the taste level lies. <laughs> Everyone, uh, when they're walking on stage, do you shout out, it's the Astors, the Guggenheims, and Molly Brown. She's unsinkable. I mean, also the fact that Molly Brown doesn't feature in the show. We've I know. Over this. <laughs> she doesn't feature. She doesn't feature. It's such a She has her own shame. show. She does have her own show, which came first. In the 60s, I believe, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Titanic is better. I have never listened to the unsinkable Molly Brown. Her house is down the street from where I live. No joke. Now everyone's going to stalk you at life. I mean, you can Google the Molly Brown house on the internet. It's in Denver. But if you say it's down the street, all I need to do is walk up that street and then I'm at Tommy's house. Yeah, there's a big sign outside. So then <laughs> this one, then that one's Molly Brown's and this one's Tommy. Yeah, exactly. We've got the logo on the front. It's great. <laughs> Jimmy was Titanic the musical. It was indeed. Thank you Do for you, sailing. Does your uh, Americana uh, uh, television show viewing uh, has that brought you to Seinfeld yet? I was. I'm too. I'm at this Seinfeld sweet spot. I think in terms of age. That's fair. Yeah, um, are you? You're aware of the character of George Jason Alexander? Yes. 
I believe I'm remembering this right. There's an episode where George takes a blind girl on a date to see the movie Titanic. And the joke is he has to describe everything for her. Right. And she, she comes out of the movie and she says, boy, it sure took that ship a long time to sink. It's because all he could, that's all he said the entire time is that the ship was, and it's still sinking and it's still, it's very funny. Uh, anyway, read the okay. quiz question. Ha 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 Okay. The, so this is for our next episode, everyone. Uh, you've listened to these before, so you know what this is. Um, <laughs> the original theatrical director of this stage musical, we're doing a stage musical, guys, would go on to direct not only its movie adaptation, but also such great hits as Paul Blart Mall Cop 1 and, of course, the incomparable Paul Blart Mall Cop 2. It's amazing that they named the first one one before the second one exists. Isn't that incredible? Um, <laughs> what show? Um, if you want to get in touch with us, our show Twitter and Instagram is at Jim and Tomic, or drop us an email at our website, jimandtomic.com. Yes, indeed, where you will find links to our merch store. You'll find links to our Patreon um, if you want to financially support us. Um, and also, we've got a Discord now as well. We know there are people out there who are frantically <laughs> trying to get on. There's reasons why we have to limit it, guys. Um, I'm sorry, that's just how it is. But we will always put up links, never fear. But we have a lot of fun over there. So do try and get in while you can. <laughs> it's true. Also on our Patreon, you can find our uh, video pre-show podcast, Last Call. Uh, this week, we babbled mostly about video games and WandaVision. Yes, we talk Marvel, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but yes, most of all, it really just helps us out when you tell all of your friends about our show. Word of mouth is our hero um yeah but until next time tommy cheers cheers have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels well here's your chance Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Eight, six, seven, three, oh, nine.